Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Dave, and uh, we've been away for a bit, but we're back, and we're thinking about an email that came in just uh, recently while I was on holiday, and uh, I don't know why it hasn't come up earlier, but uh, it kind of kind of sp- uh, bounced off of a conversation we had a few weeks ago uh, where we mentioned the passing of the offering plate, the significance of giving, and so one of our listeners uh, asked us to go further into that and how, how do we think about giving. She mentioned tithing. Uh, how do we instill in the next generation the kind of generosity and, and commitment and discipline that the previous generation had? I think a lot of seniors are concerned about the next generation uh, because there's been this infrastructure that's been built up for mission over the years that needs to be maintained. And so it's a, it's a good question. So Dave, let's, um, let's begin um, with the Old Testament and what we learn from the Old Testament about giving to the Lord's work. Um, what, why, why, why is that important, obviously? And how did it work in the Old Testament that might help us understand giving in the New Testament? Is that a good place to start? Sure. I, let's start there. Okay. Um, and I think... Uh, I mean, there's a number of venues and uh, that people contributed to the to the life of the community and to the worship life of the community. But of course, the primary one was the tithe, right? And um, we, from Numbers 18, Leviticus 27, we call it the first tithe. There's a second tithe described in Deuteronomy 14, which is uh, a second level of of giving, which is different. But um, in terms of the Numbers 18, Leviticus 27, it was a 10% head tax given to the Levites, who then gave 10% to the priests. And so there was this notion that the community was to be engaged in the support of what you might call the religious functionaries in in the nation of Israel. Now, they were taxed for uh, civic functions as well. I mean, it would... what amount to what 30 percent all told or yeah when you start total when you start totaling everything up yeah there was there was more than this going on the tithe itself again was expressed in two you got this which you would call the the religious functionary tithe mm-hmm. and then there was a second tithe in deuteronomy 14 which more of it was more of a festival tithe right i mean they they brought the tithe and actually ate it ate it yeah but every third and sixth year, they had to deposit it in in the gate, which was their basically their their social structure to care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, and that kind of stuff. But we're talking primarily about that first one that is that is uh, involved in supporting the religious functionaries, and that was a critical part of what it was to be the covenant people of God. Okay, and what did they get for their money? Well, they got. The service of the temple. We got the service of the tabernacle. They got the uh, all the activities that took place, which was really busy. By the time you start thinking about the animal sacrifices that were going on there, uh, they had weekly Sabbath services. They had monthly festivals. They had the three big pilgrimage feasts. Uh, it was a very, very busy place. Lots of music. Uh, songwriting was a huge part of it. David kind of led that, but then later on, Asaph, Heman, Ethan... We're deeply embedded in that kind of stuff. And anytime you talk about uh, the Levites or or the or Asaph or the sons of Korah, all involved in psalm writing. So these would have been fully supported by the tithes of God's people, professional musicians. Sure, by the tithes or the givings of God's people of some way, shape, or form, for sure. 
This was, these were of the tribe of Levi, which was to have no inheritance, right? They, they didn't have landed inheritances. They were to be supported by the other 11 tribes. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound to devote, devoted to say that Mm -hmm. this was a head tax, just give it. Is that really the way to think about giving uh, to the church, to the Lord's work? Is it, and is that how they did it? I mean, was there a way of tithing that was um, sinful as, oppo- as opposed to a, a proper, spiritual, loving way to give the tithe? How did, how did that flesh out? Yeah. Um, you know, the Old Testament was filled with ritual, ritual that was commanded, sacrifices, that kind of thing. But regularly the people were being rebuked, especially by the prophets who were saying, okay, you're doing the rituals, good for you, but your heart is far from God. And in fact, you listen to Isaiah in Isaiah 1, he says, stop doing this kind of stuff. Stop bringing your sacrifices. Stop bringing your external evidences of worship, which would have included the tithe. He says, because your heart's not in it and your hands are full of blood, actually bloodshed. So while their hands are full of blood, perhaps from the sacrifices, they're full of bloodshed mm-hmm. because they're not caring for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. And they, they were coming with wrong attitudes. So they're constantly being challenged, even though they had all these regulations, that they had to do it out of a heart of love for God, fear for God, uh, serving God with a, with a spirit of, of uh, worship, mm-hmm. uh, as, even as they are following, following through on the commands that they were to do these kinds of things. Okay, I, I want to get to that. Maybe now would be a good place before I forget. Um, do you think there needs to be some teaching today in the church about that spirit of giving? Um, we are giving in a different way now. Some people use automatic you know, debit, and they're not really thinking about it till the end of the year when they get a receipt. Uh, are we missing something by not teaching about the heart in giving, or is it enough that the bills get paid? Oh, my. The quick, the, well, to me, the obvious answer is we need to do a lot more teaching on this thing, and it needs to be an expression of a heartfelt gratitude and response to the grace and goodness of God. Um, When we move into New Testament, okay, Number one, you don't see the tithe mentioned, so um, we can talk about. I, I I have no issue with the tithe kind of being used as a base. Um, uh, it's it was it was something that was practiced in the ancient Near East. Every every pagan gave ten percent as a head tax to their god, to their deity, whatever. So I, I I can see that as being a kind of a cultural base that we can think about. But when you start looking at New Testament principles for giving. It revolves around things like, okay, as how has God prospered us? Revolves around living, uh, giving cheerfully, mm-hmm. uh, giving sacrificially, okay, which has the idea of not just giving till it hurts. I think that's that's an overreach on that one. The word sacrificial has the, rooted in the word sacred, so it has the idea of an act of worship to give sacrificially, to give as a sacrifice, to give as an act of worship. So this is the kind of language that the New Testament uses to talk about and also said, uh, you know, we're to give regularly. Um, mm-hmm. they, they weren't, Paul was to say, don't scramble around for an offering. When I get there, make this part of the pattern of, of what you do. So, yeah, and, and so there is a sense in which we do the automatic deposits that we lose that part of it. 
and it is a loss. Do we return to passing the plate? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, there was something there when that plate was passed and the service paused. Well, we called it offering plate and it would go to the altar and we would pray over it. So it was part of our liturgy built into it. You couldn't miss it. Uh, And it was an opportunity for the service to pause, the plate to be passed, and to actually physically do something in response to God's grace. And we've lost that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, we handed out envelopes, and people put their envelope on. Of course, the downside for some was, you know, every time we turn around, we're asking for money from, from, from people and visitors come in and just feels like that you're constantly hounding them for money. I think that can be shaped in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't create some sense of guilt or obligation on someone who's not ready to give or not able to give. And, and, and by the way, the 10%, we need to be careful with that because the New Testament principle has revolved around as God has prospered. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> frankly, I think that Many of us limit ourselves to 10% because somehow we think that's, a, that's kind of the amount that we ought to be giving. I've said at times that I think maybe that tithe thing has actually robbed the church of more money than we can think about. But there would be some who would say, you know what, I, I, I yeah. just can't do that. And we would say, of course, it says how God has prospered you. Perhaps they need to take a $10 bill off the plate as it goes by. I don't <laughs> think we're going to institute that. But uh, that's the kind of spirit I think we bring to the whole thing. One of the uh, big parts of our budget these days is mission outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, do you sense that in the Old Testament uh, that the givings to the, the the temple cult had much to do with that, with mission, or even the the caring for the widow? Was that part of the the institution, or was that something that um, godly Israelites would do privately? No, it was, part, it was part of the institution. I mean, even the festive tithe, right, that I talked about. Every third and sixth year, what was called the year of tithing, um, it's referred to in Amos as give your tithe every three years, is referring to that second tithe, which was instead of taking it to the sanctuary to party with it, mm-hmm. all right, you had to, you donated it to the to the village to the town it was said to give it to the to the gates where this kind of stuff was kept and it was there to provide for the poor the orphan the widow and the levites and the stranger and that kind of thing so it was actually instituted right into the system that they that this kind of thing would happen okay you know you and i chat off mike uh, in preparation we didn't i didn't ask you about this but sometimes people will say, I give outside the church. Um, there's a mission. Uh, you're, you're on the board with um, Ray, of Ray of Hope. That's where my tithe goes or some other worthy cause. Uh, and maybe I'll give something to the church if they need it, but it doesn't seem to me like they need it. So how do, how do we teach people about that? And does the tithe belong to the church it is and do we give above the tithe for these other things i mean what are your thoughts on that i'm not gonna quote you but you are being heard <laughs> yeah. uh yeah um well i think that has more to do with teaching about what the church is rather than i think giving to the church is involved that but if we recognize 
what the church is and the central place that it plays in the mission of God today uh, in the in the whole business of making sure the gospel uh, penetrates the world. I think if we understand the centrality of the church, it then leads in logically uh, and smoothly, smoothly into um, the fact that it is really the focus of our primary support. But many of these agencies that we others that we support, such as Ray of Hope, sure are worthy of our support. The church should itself support them, but for us to also support them along the way uh, is, I think, a an act of gratitude to God for the fact that we can actually do this kind of thing, that we can help the poor. Uh, Ray of Hope, in particular, calls ourselves the arms and the feet of the church. But even I. I give to non-Christian things. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very concerned about environmental issues, um, so, hospitals. Sure, and uh, so I contribute to um, things that have. You know, I'm dealing with. I, I, we're all concerned about uh, climate change. Is that tithing? I think it is an expression as a, as a child of God that we are stewards of creation, bear, carrying His image. And that part of our task as believers is to do that better than anybody else. Okay, with an attitude of worship, like absolutely. Like. When I when I support our our local lake association, I am doing this as as an act of worship to God in gratitude for what I can enjoy and and the fact that I am a steward representing Him as His image bearer. And I'm referring even as I'm giving money to that organization, mm-hmm. um, I am referring it back to God to say. This is in response to your grace and goodness in my life. Yeah. You know, uh, we got one minute left. Every year, Eleanor, my wife, she budgets tithing a certain percentage, but then she, she loves to set aside an amount that just as the Lord leads during the year, she's, you know, something will come up, yeah. a need will come up, a hospital, yeah. charity will be on, she'll get something in the mail, yeah. uh, homeless, and it just, It'll strike her and she says, we need to give to this. And she loves doing it. And there's a j- real joy in that. She's not able to do a lot in the church because, like your wife, she has some disabilities. But this is something that um, she organizes for our home that gives her much joy. And it's got nothing to do with supporting the budget of the church, as, as great as that is. It's just something extra. And I, I do think that that's a teaching that we should give to our kids, that uh, we give... Uh, for the Lord's work, but but we're generous, and generosity goes far and wide, and uh, we care for the widow and the orphan in the community. Well, Dave, um, that's all we have time for right now. I do think uh, in our next podcast, though, we should talk about uh, counsel to parents who want to teach their children how to give, as we kind of hope to get there at the start, but maybe we'll do that for our next podcast. So until then, I'm Bob McGregor here with Dave Barker. And uh, thanks for listening to us. We'll see you again next week.